You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Can I ask you to do something for me? I want you to turn to the per- hold it slow down, slow down. Turn to the person next to you in a second, and I want you to say to them something in Irish. Is that okay? We're in Ireland. This is where uh, uh, Irish, the majority of people here are Irish. We're going to say something really simple in Irish. We're going to say, No, I'm only kidding. I want you to say two simple words to the person next to you. I want you to say, listen, listen, listen. Dia Gwit. Dia Gwit. Turn to the person next to you and say, Dia Gwit. Now, in case you're wondering what you just said to someone and you're not a native Irish speaker, you've just said, God be with you. Only Tom believes that's something worth saying amen to. God be with you. You know, at this time of the year, I think back, this is a photograph from my my home when I was growing up (laughs) at Christmas. It was always just so right. My mother and father would spend hours and hours and hours preparing the room like this. We'd hire in some help. Is this like anybody's home? Or the curiosity? Is any, no, John, you're lying. Come out, foul spirit. I don't think anybody here has a home like this. This is a depiction, an illusion of what Christmas should be like. And so often when we fall short of what Christmas should be like, we kind of feel frustrated and we kind of feel let down because we're looking for the perfect Christmas. I am now 49 years of age. I know you thought I was 23, but I'm actually 49. I have never had the media constructed perfect Christmas, but I have had the perfect Christmas, the Christmas where Jesus Christ is present is the perfect Christmas. I want to talk to you about that one. Now I know you all want to be home for Santa, so we will get you home by midnight, so I won't go on too long. I want to talk to you about God being with us, and I want to look at where people were at at the time of the birth of Jesus Christ. You see, so many people I meet nowadays, when you say to them, God is with you, or when you say God is with us, which is a familiar term, we're going to look at it in a second from the Bible, They don't really believe you. So many people you meet, and there may be some people in this hall now, who actually believe that God is against them. Because when they look at their lives, their lives aren't adding up the way that they want their lives to add up. When they look at their circumstances or their relationships, their circumstances and relationships aren't adding up the way they would want them to add up. When they look at their own bodies, they've got sickness in their bodies and they're struggling or they may have issues in home or in work. And a lot of people I meet and I talk to actually think God is against them. He actually wants to become the celestial spoil sport who comes in and ruins their happiness and their lives. Because most people actually have the sense that God kind of interferes in your life. But oh boy, does God interfere in your life. He comes and he blesses your life. Shows you the best way to live. I want to assure you tonight, if you think that God is against you, all contraire, God is with you. If you go back to the time of the birth of Jesus Christ, there was uh, the history of the Israelites. I'm just going to briefly have a, just a couple of sentences on it. 
If you look at the history of the Israelites, at the time of the birth of Jesus Christ, they were expecting the Messiah. And when the Messiah came, it would be God being with them. God is going to be with them. We're going to look at the prophecy in a second from Isaiah. But if you actually look at where they were at, they could quite easily argue that God was against them. In actual fact, Isaiah the prophet had said this 700 years earlier. He said this about God's people, the Jews. He said, they rebelled against him and they grieved his Holy Spirit. So he became their enemy and fought against them. Excuse the typo. I picked it up directly. So he became their enemy and fought against them. There was a time when the Israelites actually had God against them. They were supposed to be the people who had God's presence and God's blessings, but actually God went against them because they went against him. They abandoned him and he turned against them. And their history, if you look at around the time of Jesus Christ and you go back, you discover that they were first taken into captivity by the Assyrians, a great empire around the time of Isaiah the prophet who wrote this 700 years before Christ. And then they were taken into captivity by the Babylonians. And then the Persian Empire rose up. And then the Greek Empire under Alexander of Macedon, Alexander the Great, they rose up and they took out the Jews. And then along came the Romans. And they basically had spent the previous 700 years under the jackboot of one of these great empires of the world. So they could easily say, God is not for us. God is against us. It would have been a reasonable argument for them to say that. They would have said, no, God is not with us. God is against us. He's turned his face on us. Look at, the, look at how long we've had to wait. And the night that the angels appeared and sang on the hillside outside of, of Bethlehem was the breaking of a nearly 700-year silence of the voice of God. They probably thought he'd given up on them, that he had abandoned them. But that's not what had happened. Yes, God had gone quiet. But there was a plan. There was something at work. You know, if you're here tonight and you believe God is against you, I have good news for you. God is with you. God is with you. If you meet people over the next couple of days in your families or in your wherever, whatever situation you find yourself in with your family or with your friends and you're listening to people and you have the opportunity to tell them about Jesus, I bet you you will find some who believe that God is, is actually against them. But we want to bring good news. You know, when Jesus, when Mary became pregnant, we actually looked at it there in the, in the video just a second ago. When Mary became pregnant, an angel also appeared to Joseph. Tom looked at it very carefully last Sunday morning. But here is what it records in Matthew's gospel. The angel appeared and said, Joseph, son of David, the angel said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It would literally mean that God is with us. And when you look at the original situation from Isaiah chapter 7, where this passage is taken from, it was a case that God was saying, I'm against you, but I'm going to turn. I'm going to turn and I am going to be with you. You made yourself my enemies. The scripture tells us that all people made themselves God enemies. They rebelled against him. But God said, I'm going to turn and I'm going to be with you. And in the coming of Jesus Christ, God really was with them. In physical flesh. But here's the thing, right? Because he was born to Mary and Joseph. Now, if you were to ask Mary and Joseph, you know, God is with you, Mary and Joseph. What does that mean in your life? Well, surely it's going to mean success. 
It's going to mean everything is going to go great from now on. Would anyone say amen? No, you shouldn't say amen to that. Everything's going to be fine from now on. You're going to have your baby in the best available maternity ward in Bethlehem, Mary. That's what's going to happen for you. And you are just going to be so blessed. We are going to get the best obstetrician all the way from Rome into you. You are going to be met. You are going to be met by one of the number one guys in obstetrics in ancient Rome. And he's going to take care of you. You are going to be in the lap of luxury. And should anything go wrong, we've got a full crash team of experts to come and support you. You're going to live in the best of it. Five-star medical support you're going to have. No. That's not quite how it worked out because most of you know the story. Instead, they ended up having the baby in a barn, in an outhouse, in a shed, in a stable, or in a cave. And they're not 100% sure. It's either an outbuilding or a cave. The word stable could mean both because animals were kept in caves. So she had the baby in a dirty, filthy, germ-filled cave, with complete with animals. And what do animals do? Yeah, don't, you don't have to. It doesn't matter. You can figure it out yourself. That's where she had the baby. You kind of go, like, this is God's plan? That the baby would be born in a monkey stable? Like, it was God's plan that we couldn't even get a place to stay in one of the inns in the town? Like, this is God's plan? I mean, I don't know about you, but I'd be kind of confused. I'd be saying, well, if God is with me, then everything's got to be okay, okay? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Do you know what? But in the not okayness of it all, God is with you. Even if it's not okay, God is with you. And when Jesus is born, he becomes a man. I don't have to explain the story to you. It's God become man and come to live among us, to live near us, to, as one guy said, move into the neighborhood with us. That's what he did. That's what he became. And because he did that, we now have hope. You see, if Jesus was born in a great palace, we probably wouldn't be able to relate to him. How can you relate to royalty? Come on. Even the royalty didn't relate to the royalty. How could you possibly relate to him? But the fact that he was born in a poor circumstances, in a stable, on the fringe of a town, on the outskirts of society, on the fringes of society, no, we can connect with him. No, we can relate with him. He took on flesh and bone, just like you and I took have flesh and bone. But Paul takes it a little bit further. He says, not only is God with us, and I think this is the really, really good news, but for those who trust in him, God is for us. He's not now just in our company, experiencing what we experience. He is now behind us, and he is for us. This is what he writes to the Roman, to the Roman church, and some of them were going through some very difficult circumstances, especially because of their faith. And he talks about how God sent his son to die on our behalf. And then he goes on to say this. He says, and if, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his son, but gave him up for us all. Listen, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? He will give us all things. What will he give us? All, all things. If God is for us, who can be against us? And then he goes on to say, does that mean that if we're in trouble or we have trials or difficulties that God doesn't love us anymore? Mm-mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. He said that God works out all things for good according to the, 
for those who love him according to his perfect plan. God is working out everything for good. If God is for us, who can be against us? What does that mean? It means that regardless of where you're at today, tonight, now you may have the perfect Christmas and have the Christmas tree that we had at the start. Or your life may more resemble the dirty, filthy stable with the manky manger and the not too pleasant surroundings. I don't know which of your circumstances this this situ- is, is closer to your situation, but I know this, that if you surrender to him, if you turn your heart towards him, not only will God be with you, but he will be for you. Amen. He will come behind you in every circumstance. He will let his presence dwell with you in every difficulty and in every trial. And in some you will be delivered, and in others you will be changed, and in other situations the situation will change. But I know this, If God is for you, who can be against you? Can I ask you to stand and pray for a second? Let's just stand and pray. You see, you're going to meet people and you're going to have conversations over the next few days. And in those few days, you're going to have conversations with those who believe and love the Lord and those who don't. And you know, that's fine. That's to be expected. Can I just say to you that when you go into those conversations and whatever you're going into face over the next few days, can I ask us that we would pray two things. One, that we would have the strength and the courage to speak of the God who is with us. Amen? Amen. This is good news that Jesus Christ is with us. And can I just pray also that we would remember that whatever situation we face, God is not against you. God is for you. And if God is for you, Who can be against you? Will we lift our hands in prayer for a moment? Let's just pray. Can I invite you to bow your heads just for a second? Let's just pray. Lord, I know there are some here tonight who feel as though their lives, as the way they're working out, they feel as though you are against them, Lord. As though you have somehow turned your back, as though you have somehow turned away from them, Lord. Lord, I pray tonight that any who are in that situation tonight and their hearts are in their minds, anybody who even doesn't know you, Lord, to whom you're a distant fog, Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them as God with us tonight, Lord. Lord, I pray for every conversation that we are in. Lord, if you give us the opportunity, Lord, like you said in the Great Commission at the end of Matthew's Gospel, that you said you will be with us even to the end of the age, to the very last day, you will always be with us. Lord, I pray that when we go into our lives, whatever we face when we go out the door here tonight, whatever we face as we go in, whatever we go into over the next few days, Lord, I pray that we would remember that God is for us, not against us. And Lord, I pray that when we face and encounter difficulties, trials, temptations, Lord, we would remember that if God is for us, who can be against us? Praise God. Let's take our seats, guys. God bless you. Hold on to that in your hearts that God is with you and God is for you and God is not against you. We're going to do another carol now. We're going to do the carol, Joy to the World, the Lord is Come. We're going to invite the band up. Let's come up here, guys. You know the carol, it's a familiar old one. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare in room. Let heaven and nature sing. And you know, when, when Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem, as the story is accounted, there wasn't any room for them. There wasn't any room, so they had to go into a corner. Can I just say, I hope that nobody here has no room for Jesus. I hope that everyone here makes room in their hearts, in their lives, in their heads, 
and in their schedules for Jesus Christ over this coming season. Can we stand and sing joy to the world? Joy to the world, the Lord is come. It's 25 past six and you're all eager to go. But before we do, we've got one carol left. You're supposed to go, oh. Right, you're all eager to go home. Well, we've one carol left. But before we do, just to say, we're going to meet here again this day week, New Year's Eve. And we've got something, in my opinion, quite incredible. I've never sensed such a strong prophetic urge and I believe anointing that will be on that gathering, never before. Anyway, if you're free, we're here. We'll have coffee beforehand, and then we'll start at 10, and we'll go right past midnight. So if you're free, you're very welcome to join us for our New Year's Eve celebration, and we'll then be meeting the Sunday just at 12 for our New Year's Day celebration. So that's happening next weekend. We're going to close in just a moment, and Michael and I, are going to go out just as this last carol will finish and we want to just hand out a little gift hopefully to all the kids here if we have enough of them just at the front door so we're not doing coffee we're going to head straight out i know most people want to go home but we'd like to just uh, give something small to the kids before we go um 
So I'm just going to do the closing song now, and our closing prayer, and then we'll just sing our final carol. So, Father, we thank you that we could meet here on Christmas Eve, and I pray, Lord, just like there's lights all over this city, shining because this is the darkest time of the year. I pray the Son of God, the light of God, would shine into every home represented here. I pray that in your home this Christmas time, there would be no darkness, but only the light of Jesus Christ. For every mother and father, brother and sister, son and daughter, relative and friend, the light of Jesus in your heart and in your family. May that be the reality for all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Our last carol is called... Jenny. Angels we have heard on high. And this is the one with the Latin uh, chorus, which is Gloria in excelsis Deo, which means glory to God in the highest. It was first written in French. Anybody here speak French? Okay. Some of you are very shy about admitting you speak French. It's okay. We won't report you to the police. And it was then translated into English. How many people here speak English? Okay, some of you can't speak English, apparently. The third language it was translated into, would you believe it, was Gaelic. It was translated into Scottish and Irish Gaelic. How many people here know a couple of fuckle of Irish? Hey, loads of hands going up. After that, it was translated from the Irish to the Portuguese. Who speaks Portuguese? Okay, a lot of Portuguese speakers. And then it was translated into German. Who speaks German? Whoa, lots of German speakers. Finally, it was translated into Mandarin Chinese. Anyone speak Mandarin? Yeah. We've got one or two. In other words, guys, God's word goes into every tribe and every tongue. So whatever your native language is, we're going to sing it in English because that's the main language here. But may you know God's glory in the highest in your life. And may this Christmas time really be a glorious time for you. So this is our last carol. Sing it with all your heart. Lift your hands, clap your hands, and Michael and I will greet you at the door. Over to the lads. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing all the plains, and the mountains will reply, echoing. Inspire the heavenly song, Lord.
Christ is birth, the angels sing. Come, adore, abandon me. Christ the Lord, the newborn King. Everyone.